ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we welcome you back to the 500 Mile Podcast. Fun weekend in Vegas. Um, joined here with Michael Skinner and uh, Michael. Quite a lot of action this weekend. Um, quite a few people rolling the dice and uh, quite a few lucky winners. And quite a few people upset. Yes. Um, so typical, both, typical Vegas weekend. Both in the garage area and on Twitter. So um, I guess everything is right with the NASCAR world. Well, I think that's everyday Twitter, to be yeah. honest with you. So, uh, But what is extremely nice about that is from even uh, you know November to where we're sitting right now talking about it, uh, NASCAR has been on the mind of, of a lot of people on Twitter. So that's huge for, for the sport, and I think it's really good going forward. Indeed. And uh, one thing I want to piggyback off that real quick, um, just with the racing that we saw in Vegas, we'll get more in-depth into it. Obviously, it was a great race in terms of racing, the aspect of that. Um, obviously, a few things that we can work on with the next gen. But um, the one thing that I've been pleasantly surprised about um, was listening to Sirius XM for most of the day today. A lot of the callers calling in pretty much good things to say about the car. Another win, arguably, um, in Las Vegas. Michael, you feel the same way? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think it's we've gotten a really, really good look at how the car is going to perform. Unfortunately, the one thing that I'm still kind of holding out on is it's still the third race of the season. So once the teams get a handle on it and everything, uh, you know, we'll be able to just have a much better idea, you know, in November where we're at with the new car after we go through like the summer break and everything. But, um, you know, definitely it's been nice to see it be really, really good on a speedway. The racing was good on a two mile over oval um, that had, you know, a worn out surface and then to, uh, you know, a cookie cutter racetrack, which I think they said they race at nine of them throughout the year. So that's, a, you know, a really, really good sign that the track performed really good at all those racetracks. And we'll get a, a good idea of what it's going to be like on a, um, you know, on a short track next weekend. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, let's just jump straight into it at this point. Um, obviously, Friday night, the Truck Series race. Michael, your pick um, with Chandler Smith ended up being victorious there, and uh, arguably the best truck won that race on Friday. So nice to see that. Um, kind of your initial takeaways from from Friday. Um, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and pretend like we both knew that Kyle was racing in the truck race, <laughs> and still neither one of us picked him. We're just gonna roll with that. Hope nobody pays attention to it. So yeah, um, but yeah, uh, you know, I I kind of through the last few races of the year, I saw Chandler Smith kind of pick up the pace a little bit. Plus, he was gonna stay with the same crew chief as last year. So you know, it was it wasn't such a hard pick. And it you know, when you're driving for KBM, you know, you're gonna have some really good trucks. But it was a it was a typical typical truck race at a mile and a half. You know, the there was a little more cautions, honestly, than I than I thought there was going to be a little little bit more restarts. So the field didn't get as sprung out, uh, strung out as as they normally would. But overall, it was a, it was a good a good truck race as as usual. Definitely entertaining. Um, you get a chance to see some of the future stars, and you know it was nice to see uh, and hear Kurt Busch in the booth. Yes. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> I think for us longtime NASCAR fans, I don't think we would have uh, really expected to hear Kurt Busch in the booth as, as much as he has been. So that's been, no. yep. it's been nice. Um, I will say that, you know, the information that he brings is really good. Um, some of the things that he says, I think he was pretty spicy on Friday, actually, um, with some of the things he says, but most of them were jokes. So we'll, uh, we'll take them with a grain of salt, but, um, 
I enjoyed it actually, him in the booth. And I have been kind of sad that we lost Phil. Um, I'm sure most people don't really like Phil, but that's kind of the the booth I grew up with was Rick, Phil, and Michael up there. So, yeah. Uh, the one the one thing I do have to say is, uh, you know, for all the bad things that uh, that all of us have complained about Fox, I think the one thing that they've done really good is by having all these different people in the booth every week uh, with all the experience that they bring. But it's also kind of lightened the booth up a little bit. You know, they're able to have, uh, you know, fun with the drivers uh, when they're doing their interviews. So that's really, really nice to see. And it, it makes the booth a little bit lighter. You know, I don't know. It just it just adds a nice little touch, in, in my personal opinion. It's nice to have a little bit of banter, you know, to, to try to... We're watching racing, and they're talking about racing, but they're able to do it with, with a little bit of fun and added a few little bits uh, of their personal lives here and there. For sure. Yeah, that's that's the best thing. I mean, races can be serious at times, but throwing that little, like you said, personal touch in there is, is always nice. It's always nice to get a laugh out of a, a race rather than it being super serious. So, um, yeah, for uh, for the Friday race, one thing that I do want to touch on as well, Todd Bodine makes his return to the Trek series. going to be running six races this season um, to get up to 800 I think it's either I think it's NASCAR starts. I don't necessarily think it's season or it's series NASCAR, starts. yeah. Yeah. So um Camping World sponsorship there, driving the number sixty two for um his name escapes me at this point, the driver of the fifty two. Um I'll think of it. But yeah, driving for that team. Stuart Friesen, um driving for that yep, team. Yep. And uh you know, he was running pretty well beginning of that race, not even gonna lie. Um top but, fifteen. Yeah. And then uh, kind of had a little accident off turn four, which didn't end his night. But then he did it again, which did end his night. End so. his night. Yep. So uh, poor Todd. Um, I can't remember the next race he's doing. I think it said Darlington. So looking forward to seeing him run there. Um, but overall, Michael, uh, KBM domination Friday night. Um, I don't think we're really too surprised about that, though. No, the one thing I do, I do want to bring up you know, with, with the long with the KBM domination was actually Toyota domination. Uh, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. is even, is even more, uh, you know, relevant than, than just, just KBM. It seemed like other than, uh, you know, the 38, it was, it was a Toyota, it was a Toyota leading, it was a Toyota leading the most laps, Toyota winning the race. So that'll be really interesting to see all year long to see if the, Toyota dominance in the truck series continues uh, throughout this year, or if the other manufacturers will, will make a step forward. But again, that 38 truck was really, really fast, even with damage. So he'll be somebody to keep an eye on as well. For sure. And um, I guess the last thing, cause there wasn't too much to talk about in the trucks. It was uh, it was a good race, but overall kind of your typical race. Uh, one thing we did want to touch on before we moved on was uh, the kind of black eye that we got on Friday night with Spencer Boyd sitting at the bottom of the racetrack for pretty much two laps on that final restart um, with a dislocated shoulder. And essentially, I mean, we already saw, we saw one truck kind of head towards that area where he was sitting, um, essentially was in harm's way down there, even though he was off the track uh, very easily could have had a truck spin down there and probably cause more damage to him. Yeah. I think it was a, an extremely odd situation. I don't know. Of course, we're not there. We're not in in the NASCAR war room, so we don't know what they see. We don't know what's going on. But I can only imagine that somebody had to have been saying something 
especially from the driver's seat, knowing that, you know, he was probably injured. The team was probably communicating. And it's, you know, with as fast as NASCAR has been able to throw the caution all year for any little incidents, I think this weekend, you know, we'll talk about it more in the cup race, but even this weekend, we saw a little bit, the caution flag was a little bit more delayed, which, which is fine, you know, in some aspects, uh, you know, but in a situation like that, clearly, I mean, I don't know if the caution would have come out for him if the four and the three didn't wreck there to, uh, you know, at the end of the race. So that, that that's a tough one, especially with NASCAR not saying anything about it. No, no acknowledgement. Yeah, no acknowledgement, no tweet, nothing, you know, just just blowing it off in, into the wind. Now, we may hear something maybe next week once we get uh, to the track at Phoenix. But that was that was kind of one of those things as, as much as we all pride NASCAR on their safety, uh, you know, the trucks, the cars, they're they're as, as safe as they could be right now. That's kind of one of those moments where it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's it's a tough situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, probably something that I would hope we don't see again. One of those moments where you kind of learn from it, I would hope. Um, but obviously time will tell with that. So, uh, let's, uh, let's get into these finishing results, shall we? Um, obviously we told you Chandler Smith, Michael's pick, um, ended up being victorious. Kyle Busch definitely didn't uh, forget he was in the race last week. Um, (laughs) comes home second was third, uh, by the way. Uh, if you don't know, Zane Smith was disqualified. I can't remember the exact penalty, but lug was dis- nuts. Lug nuts. That's right. Um, tampering with it. Did you hear exactly what they did with those? I did not. Okay. Because um, I know it I wasn't the I simple. Have it, it wasn't I have the... it right here. It was uh, a violation of section 1416. Um, lug nuts did not conform to NASCAR specification. Okay. So I- I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm assuming that maybe they were we glued differently i guess maybe helps them to stick on i don't i don't know just just coming up with stuff to talk to you but yeah that's that's a first and i haven't seen a disqualification for lug nuts before so that is uh that is rather rather interesting yeah so to be clear it wasn't your typical like missing lug nuts or anything like that it was quite literally something they were tampering with the lug nuts is what it sounds like so um correct he was uh, disqualified all the way to the back of the pack, so he finishes 36th. However, that truck, um, much better than that, we'll say, um, damaged in that uh, restart that ended stage one. Um, the questionable put his nose into a spot where it really didn't belong, um, but did recover from that um, and got all the way up to second, and I'm really surprised that that truck wasn't hurt more than it was and was able to come home second. So um, good to see there. Um, but, yeah. Key comes home 36th, Kyle Busch second, Stuart Friesen third. Honestly, didn't hear a whole lot about him on Friday. Um, seemed like he kept it quiet. And uh, yeah, uh, it it just kind of looking at the at the rundown. I mean, there's a, there's quite a few surprises, you know, that you'll get to um, as you go down. So it's nice to see some some different faces in the top ten. Yeah, and one of those being Ryan Priest, arguably. Um, I. There was some questions on, I don't think he could maintain uh, speed because I think he was the leader coming to that final restart. But um, I think the engine had shut off something electrical um, and he was dropped all the way back to fifth. So um, unfortunate for him, but still did come home with a top five. So um, he's got a lot. He's got some more races to do in the truck series this season, as well as some Xfinity and Cup. So um, looking forward to seeing what Ryan does. I know in his first start at Nashville last year, 
um, ended up winning the thing. So seems like he'll have a bunch of more strong runs in the truck series based off what we've seen in his first two already. And then you got Tanner Gray, who came home fifth. Another name who actually seemed like he was up towards the front that entire race, just didn't hear a whole lot about him from the booth. So um, good run and for the Tanner. Mistakes, and the mistakes seem to be coming you know, at a, at a less frequent, frequent pace for him. You know, we heard a lot about him coming from, uh, you know, over there in the drag racing world, you know, about all of his talent. So it's uh, it's good to see that he's learning to keep the truck kind of under him. And, you know, like you said, finish right there behind Ryan Priest, which which is his, his teammate. So definitely had had speed in those two trucks and was able to show the speed uh, right up there with with somebody like uh, like Ryan Priest. For sure. And uh, one guy that we haven't gotten to talk a whole lot about yet, old Matty D comes home with a top 10 in sixth. Um, good finish for him. Didn't talk a whole lot about him either. He kind of, I think just showed up towards the end. So, um, yeah, good run for Matt. Um, sure. He's been looking for that and, uh, hope he gets some more good runs throughout the season. So, um, good for Matt. And speaking of Matt, got another Matt who finished seventh, Matt Crafton. Um, again, didn't seem like we talked a whole lot about him. He was there just, you know, wasn't really upfront at all. So, um, yeah, comes home seventh, Brett Holmes in eighth, Austin Wayne self in ninth, and then Ty Majeski, the guy that took out my pick, um, comes home in 10th. Um, and I kind of joke about that. That wreck was, uh, was questionable. I'd argue, um, you know, I'm not sure if the air got him loose and then turned him into the 99, but obviously there wasn't a whole lot of space to begin with there. So, um, I'll kind of chalk that up to a racing deal. Michael, I don't know if you feel the same about that, but. I think that's kind of where I leave it. Yeah, I, I definitely think it was a was an air situation. It almost looked like either when he, I think it was he was behind the nineteen when the ninety nine kind of moved up. If you if you look at the video, the right front is almost right behind uh, the left rear quarter panel of the nineteen, and then it almost like it shoves uh, Majeski up to the wall. He probably lets off, corrects it, goes back to the left, gets a little loose, and we have the accident that we that we had there but one thing i want to talk about is the whole weekend it seemed like there was like really big accidents Mm -hmm. uh you know in 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 the races so the four uh john hunter nebacek uh jordan anderson they had a big accident even uh christian eckes had had a had had a big impact (laughs) so it seems like the the impacts are, are are really big this year um for whatever reason it just seems like maybe the I don't know if they're going any faster, but it sure does seem like they're hitting a lot harder. Yeah, for sure. Maybe a little less give and take. We definitely saw that out of the uh, the 98s wreck, um, but digress on that. That was a, that was an interesting one. But yeah, for sure. That seems like they've been hitting quite a bit harder this season. Than... That was an awful block. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't even know if you can classify that as a block, but um, anyways. He, he, he classified it as a block. Well, that's for sure. He, he was upset about it. There's blocking and then there's just turning across someone's nose. So um, you can probably leave it at that. <laughs> I think uh, yeah. I think we all know what would happen there. So um, anyways, yeah, the truck race uh, pretty good. Um, but I think we had some better races on Saturday and Sunday, arguably. But 
Um, let's move into the Saturday race because I think definitely a lot more to talk about in that race than there was on Friday. Um, I guess the first place I want to start out, Michael, because it's the obvious one and it was the one that happened the soonest. Um, Ty Dillon or Ty Dillon, sorry, Ty Gibbs versus uh, Ryan Sieg. Your take on that? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I I admire his aggression. Uh, you know, especially being a KB fan and, and you, you know, as well too, is we've seen that type of aggression before, even, even Joey, you know, admitted it in the booth. So it's not new, especially with somebody as, as young as he is. We've seen this before with young fast drivers. They, they make these types of mistakes. You know, it was just, I think it was poorly handled, mm. I guess, uh, on, on Ty Gibbs side. Um, and, you know, he was explaining on why and what happened. I think everybody saw what happened. Everybody knows what happened, you know, and it was almost like he he was unwilling to just not explain it and just apologize for a mistake on his part. Yeah. Um, and then the, the Ryan Sieg takeout attempt. <laughs> that was awful. Yeah, that was that was really he really, he really needed the, the the snow to continue. It looked like and he just slid not up let on that snow, happen. Honestly, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm kind of in your same camp. I, I kind of wish that he would have saw the bigger picture. Obviously, we'd know that he probably didn't mean to do that, but that's not really what we were upset about. We were upset about the fact that he was packing so much air underneath that 39, three laps into a 200 lap race. Yeah, issue there. Yeah, it's just just it just dumb. You know, it was it was a dumb move. Um, Rookie mistake, I I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, he regretted it as soon as it happened. You know, like you said, it wasn't intentional. It's just more of a question of why so early in the race. Especially that your better option when clearly you had come from like thirtieth to wherever uh, Sieg was running. You know, in the top fifteen. And you kind of have to question why you're racing a car that you're. And I, this, no disrespect to Ryan, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ryan. Um, seeing that team develop as much as it has um, throughout the years, but that that's a car that Ty is not going to see for the rest of the day, probably. So why even fight that hard or run up that hard? Obviously, he, you know, the the closing rate was probably pretty quick, but when you're getting that close, anyways, just it's lap three out of 200 he, just just give and take the, he knew and i think another part that kind of bothers me too and i think it goes with, along with the apology he knew what he was doing he knew that he was packing air on the back of the 30 of the 39 car it's a fact that he didn't he didn't give him a chance to save it mm-hmm. you know so to speak like he packed air you could see him already start to go up the racetrack, but Ty continued to still pack air until it was until it was too late. Until it was over. So I think I think that's right there where the rookie mistake came in is he didn't just let he he wasn't just satisfied with driving up underneath on the straightaway. He wanted to clear him off the corner, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So and then again, and I think that goes right along with the apology side of it that i'm talking about is he knew what he was doing you're apologizing because the accident happened you know he he's not apologizing for doing it it kind of it kind of reminds me of 
in 99 when er when Earnhardt spun uh, and wrecked Terry at Bristol. And he said, you know, just want to, you know, rattle his cage. And everybody booed because he apologized, but he didn't, he knew what he was doing. He didn't apologize for doing it kind of thing. Yeah. But that's, that's a different situation. You have Dale and Terry, you know, NASCAR Cup champions. Here you have a rookie on a family owned team, four laps into a race. It just, that's what gets me is it was so early. It just, it's, it, you just kind of scratch your head. Like why? You know, definitely. Yeah. A little, uh, little uncalled for that early for sure. Um, and then his, uh, Ryan's, um, attempted payback. Um, that was terrible. Yeah. And I don't even know if he was like full, like fully invested in trying to do that, honestly. Cause I mean, I, the, the rear of the I car was be- destroyed, mind you, by the way. So that was pretty much gone, but I think the front of it was still fine. So I'm not entirely sure if he was just trying to, I don't know. I don't really know. I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. I would have been more understanding and I would have even believed him more had he got got, a, got out of the car and been like, you know, I almost just crashed right there and he just happened to be by the 54. It was yeah. such a bad takeout attempt. I would have rathered him lie about it because yeah. it would have been more believable. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes more sense than I'm trying to ruin this guy's day and did such a bad job at it. He goes and wins the race. It was almost like his spotter told him that the 54 was out there, and then you just had to, like, it would, he told him so late that he just had to jump out and try something, is what it looked like. Like uh, like Landon Castle said, the first thing of, what is it, of, of stock first car racing? Of, yeah. First rule of NASCAR racing is learn to wreck somebody without wrecking yourself. Yeah, definitely a Danica moment there. But, again, I don't I, I don't think this is the last of this, mind you. Um, I don't know that Ryan goes out, you know, first lap at phoenix and does something it's probably I, one I of those i definitely don't think any slack will be given that's yeah. going to be an extremely hard car to pass the rest of the year for sure so speaking of those... speaking of 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 ryan and, and the sieg team they and this is just kind of off topic but i kind of was sitting here thinking about it so in 2019 no 2020 2020 i think uh or was it 2019 it might have been 2019, 2020, somewhere around there. They they look like they almost have a shot to go out there and win at Atlanta. I don't know if you remember yep, that. I remember this, yep. And it seemed like their car was really fast all year. Yep. Made uh, made the the chase in, in the Xfinity. Yep. And then it seemed like they switched to Ford. And I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe Ford's given a, a little bit of cash, helping out, you know, on that front. Got a full-time sponsor because of the way they ran the year before. And it almost seems like they're worse. Yeah. So it's it seems like before you used to talk about him top 10, top five almost every week and about how good he would run above his equipment. Now, we've also seen other teams emerge like Colleg Racing. You know, they emerge. Jerem now has another full time car, you know, so but that that's one thing that I kind of want to watch through the rest of the year to see is in their second year with Ford, are they going to be any better? Or are they actually on a decline, or is there just more competitive cars in the field? Yeah, definitely going to be interesting to watch uh, for sure. Because that that's a team that you know you've been watching the Xfinity series long enough. You've kind of seen them 
come from nothing to, like you said, have a good shot at wins in a championship. I think it was either, like you said, 2019 or 2020. I think he had a good shot at winning Vegas as well. I yeah. can't remember. So, um, it, the pandemic year got me all screwed up. I don't know where I'm at. Yeah, it's right there with you. Everything past that is a blur. So, but um, <laughs> we uh, speaking of blurs, I guess we uh, had a little oddity. Um, what lap fifty or something like that? I had a little uh, little snow in the desert. A little snow and uh, a dust devil. I didn't think I'd be saying those two things in the same sentence, but we had it. Yeah. Yep. That is. Yeah, that was a very odd, <laughs> odd little. It rained, and then you had the snow, and then you had some dust. But uh, the wind was a big topic all week. It seemed like too. So, yeah, but that's what an what an odd, odd thing. I guess that probably happens more than than we know. Um, you know, you're you're on the west coast, and I'm on the east coast, so we really don't know what happens. You know, in there oh. in Vegas. So maybe maybe that's a normal thing over over in the desert, and and maybe in Arizona it'll do the same this weekend. It might. I know Arizona, it snows, but I was going to say, most of the, the deserts I've been to, it gets cold, it gets icy, but I don't know if I've ever heard of, heard of snow. So, But to be fair, I think it was a mix between snow and ice, so probably uh, probably helped it out there. Um, I guess uh, let's uh, let's talk about Gr- Joe Graff Jr. a little bit first, because uh, he, was, he was an interesting one. That car went from winning last week to uh, being an absolute menace this week. Um, two cars I think got took out on the back straightaway per that 07 car and um, yeah it was uh, interesting I don't think yeah, I ever really heard an apology or like any sort of fault taken on the radio either it was just kind of one of those things where you move on but um, that was uh, that was interesting yeah for sure the one the one thing I want to and I'm going to look it up real quick as I go so According to NASCAR, they had to use the same car from last week. Um, so I can't remember if the 07 started in the back or if or if that's the same car. I, that's that's something that I that I would would fully like to know. You know, just you know, you know, just to kind of see like, is it the talent level? Or did they switch cars that made it such because you, you'd think that the car that won last week would at least be able to run top 10. Yeah. You know, so is it one of those things where that was a Stuart Haas car and they took it back and he had to start last or did he drive that same car? And it just kind of shows where everybody believes Joe Grass talent level is. And it's very, very low. Could be. I mean, I do know that they were using a different font on that door, so that could either be, you know, they could have easily rewrapped it, um, or it could be the the same car, like you said, with uh, a little bit less of an experienced driver in it. So, um, not sure there. I know there was another one we wanted to talk about here real quick. Jesse Awuji. Um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll let you steer that ship here because <laughs> I know you had some some comments about that. Yeah, so this is this is gonna be kind of a rant. First off, I'm gonna say nothing against Jesse Awuji. I love his story. You know, I, I I pull for the guy. I want him to do well. This is more about getting into the realm of pay drivers, as you would hear more in 
you know, like Formula One and, and series like that. But why is it that we have a car that's four seconds off the pace spinning out in the middle of a pack, first off? But why is he even out there at four seconds off the pace? That's like, do people realize how much four seconds is? Like, that is really slow. Yeah. That's like, that's ridiculous. And the fact that he caused an accident with with no you know we we tried to come up with reasons we watched the video maybe he had a tire go down maybe there was a problem he's four four seconds off the pace and he spun out and ruined two other people's three other people's days we can't confirm by the way that they're at least the uh the left <laughs> rear was not flat so so but that's like one of those things like i, I think that we need a better we need a better you know, back in the day, maybe Jesse, this would have been like a start and park ride. One of those things, which that is almost a better situation than having a field filler that's four seconds slower than the rest of the field. That's that's just so slow. And if we're going to have a damaged, you know, minimum speed, we need to have a non-wrecked minimum speed. You just you can't have somebody four seconds off the pace be in the middle of accidents. And in, in my opinion, that's just unacceptable regardless of who it is it, it, it could have been it could have been you know ryan truex or even ty if you're four seconds off the pace and your car is, is not damaged and then you're causing accidents or you're spinning out every weekend it's, nascar has to draw the line somewhere before before it starts impacting races in a different way you know and that, that that's that's kind of my feeling feeling on that that's why i kind of wanted to talk about it again nothing against jesse uji love his story and I'm glad that he has the backing and following that he has. But at NASCAR's second level, four seconds off the pace is just unacceptable. Yeah. For sure. Um, and I don't... Listen, it, it is a great story, but we do know that, that that team has some money behind it. So you would expect it's, a, a little bit more performance out of it. It's no different, in my opinion, than what we all thought of Rick Ware Racing for the past five years. Everybody, you know, everybody gives Rick Ware Racing crap and Cody Ware crap. The only difference is, is everybody loves Jesse Wuji and loves his story. But it doesn't make the speed or the accidents any different. Mm -hmm. You know, so that that's, like I said, it was kind of a rant more, more than anything of, you know, there, there's got to be a way, you know, like, like you and I were talking about, Formula One has you know, a, a certain rule that if you don't qualify within a few seconds of the leader, you don't even get a chance to race. You're, you're, you're done, go home, figure it out, come back next week type of thing. Maybe NASCAR needs to figure out a way to, to do that in some way. I mean, the 38 car, or sorry, the 13 car, Stan Mills, qualified 38th and ran a 32-8th in qualifying. Jesse Wooji started 39th, ran a 36-5 yikes like that's like wow yeah you know what i'm saying that's crazy the leader qualified at a 29 3 and then i scroll all the way down 36 almost 10 seconds off the pace from qualifying like that's insane yeah kind of makes you wonder that, yeah like and the sad part is, is Stan Mills was a second slower than Joey Gase in the and and the thirty five, so he was so Jesse was almost, you know, five seconds slower 
than the 37th qualifying car. Like that's that's crazy to me. Yeah, for sure. It's uh be interesting to but see that's... if that team gets any better though. Um granted we're only ho- a few races into the year. I hope so. And it's it's one of those things where I hope that it gets better. I hope that it improves and I hope it becomes more competitive. But knowing that this is basically a sponsor backed race car, I can't imagine that it's getting like if they race if they wreck that race car, I don't know how many more race cars they have. Yeah. Type of thing. You know, they gotta probably work all week to go fix this race car. So to be at Phoenix next week. Type of thing. So yeah, that's that's one of those things where it's it's tough because you you like the person, you're right, you like the story, but at the end of the day, the story can't affect the sport yeah. type of thing. For sure. All right. So that's the end of my rant. That's all right. We've come here. We come here to rant. So that's all right. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to point out to you, by the way, I don't know if you saw the pictures um, of the food stands over in Vegas. Uh, it's something I just want to interject real quick. Um, yeah, chicken fingers is like fifteen ninety nine. Yeah, sixteen dollars for chicken fingers. A burger. It, it was the same price. No. Yeah, was no, you're same? right. No, 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 you're right. You're right. It was more expensive because yeah. the burger was fourteen, and those come with like, fries, those, mind you. But those must those must be some damn good good chicken fingers. So, yeah, I mean, fifteen ninety nine. I will say the only uh, the only good thing is it the uh, their beer choices, and I don't know if this was canned or not, but domestic beers were only twelve dollars. So, if it was canned, twelve dollars for a beer though. Hey. Hey, that beats what it was at Auto Club. It was like thirteen, all right. So, I'll take it if that's if that was a can. Like, and when I say can, I don't mean like the little tiny like soda can type <laughs> stuff. I'm talking the tall boys. So, um, that's still so expensive. It is, but yeah, the food the food there is uh, they, ridiculous. Th- that's and that's kind of one thing too that I think hurts fan attendance more than people think is that why is food so expensive it's a shitty ass burger <laughs> like why is it 14 dollars? yeah i'm gonna it, give more, uh i'm gonna give more, auto club it, the benefit of the doubt by the way they did have good vendors there but this looked like at least from the picture that i saw this looked like your generic you know they have them everywhere yeah, around the racetrack it's, it's a shitty ass trap burger that you could go to the local dirt track at nine o'clock drunk out of your mind and be like I want a burger and they just hand you this frozen patty thing that's been sitting on the grill for 45 minutes might not be warm in the middle. And you're like, all right, well, I guess this is my choice. It's $14. Gonna, it's going to hold me over $14. Like that's insane. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you've been to the renovations to Daytona. I have not. So when they, when they renovated, they have uh, like the second and third level that have actual they're they're kind of like you know regular convenient areas where you get your food and stuff like that right but they're built into like the facade of the the grandstands and things like that right and they have like different options you have like barbecue uh, you know chicken in one area hamburgers sounds identical like... to what the uh, the clash had where it just has like different different vendors all around yeah. You... Okay. You had like Mexican and, and things like that, but it's all built into the actual grandstands. Right, right. Um, so, and like there, like 
prices are are they're still ridiculous. Don't get me wrong, but like there's some tracks that just like that's ridiculous. Like I remember when I went to the Rolex last year, got a burrito. It was eleven ninety nine for a chicken burrito. Again, still more expensive than the garbage that I was given, right? But fifteen ninety nine for chicken fingers. Those things had to have been laced with like gold. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. That's, that's absurd. Yeah. I think, I think that's one thing too that NASCAR can do. And I know they 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 don't, don't control they the control. speedways. Yeah. I know they don't control the speedways. But if there there's no there's no way that you can charge one hundred twenty dollars for a ticket, and then expect somebody to buy a fifteen dollar thing of food. And then pay forty dollars for parking, like that's absurd. Like that—that's just that's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, if, and it's kind of it's kind of like, and then you know, you got to think of the hotels. Like every hotel gets jacked up as soon as a race race weekend is there. Yes, sir. So, to me, those more than the racing product, I think those are more reasons why fans don't come and bring their families is because it's so expensive. Well. I mean, you could argue the same case for, and probably not to the same extent, but other sporting events, you know, their prices aren't great either, but, um, I mean, I don't the, know. the one thing, the one thing I do got to say, and, and I, I frequent most events at the, at Daytona throughout the year. If you go to the Rolex parking is, it's free. You can park at any business, anything like that. Doesn't matter. They'll let you stay the night completely 100% free. Hotels, regular price, right? They're not jacked up, just regular price. The well, food, the food is like twenty percent cheaper. The ticket is only seventy dollars for a twenty-four hour race, right? Okay, so that's that's the Rolex, right? Then we jump into Supercross again, parking free, hotels normal price, food right around like I said twenty percent cheaper. Tickets again about you know. 40 50 bucks well the argument i would make against that is the the demand to want to go to those events the rolex obviously more than supercross but um definitely a nascar weekend and i'm no disrespect to these other series because i love them all but i our nascar is definitely going to bring and especially at daytona um not that i'm using that as the example but because i know it's the same for everywhere I mean, I went to Phoenix and it was the same thing. I don't rent or I don't go to a hotel for auto club, but like I said, Phoenix said it's the same exact thing. I paid those prices. So, but true. But if you, if you take the cup, if you take the cup series out of it and you do Xfinity and truck, I guarantee you that the Rolex and Supercross had more fans at Daytona on a non Daytona 500 weekend than, uh, than, then uh, you know, like Supercross and, and the Rolex had more fans than the Xfinity or the Truck Race. You know what? I want to use this as an experiment, and I'm going to put a note down. Obviously, none of us are going to be at these standalone events, but I'm kind of curious. Our first standalone event for the Trucks and Xfinity, I kind of want to see. Uh, we're going to base it off hotel prices because you can't really do anything more off that. Parking is going to be kind of like you have to be there to kind of figure it out. But I'm going to be kind of curious, and I'm going to look at the uh, the schedule here once we're done. I want to see the first standalone event for hopefully the cups or the trucks and Xfinity. And I want to take a look at both uh, ticket prices as well as hotel prices around the area and see what they're at. 
because obviously those don't bring in attendance, but you bring a cup race there, and uh, yeah, it's going to skyrocket. But it shouldn't. I, I'm all for inflation, but the fact that, like, so for instance, um, the the hotel that literally sits like right behind Turn Four at Daytona that you could see, you can see it like if they do like a long shot, you can see the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where uh, me and my family have stayed for, you know, like twenty odd years at this point. Um, and the price goes from like it's normally like eighty, ninety bucks a night to almost five hundred to a thousand dollars a night. Now with my with my dad's work, he travels a lot, so he just used his travel points, and and that's how we get the hotel every year. But you take that away, who can afford that? Who can afford five hundred to a thousand dollar hotel room? Yep, like that's it's insane. Yeah, and I mean, just obviously not much you can do about that. It's kind of been the the deal pretty much probably ever since we started, you know, having uh, big name races, but. I don't know much. <laughs> I definitely get what you're saying. I I just don't know if we can. If there's really going to be a fix for that. So, well, like my my whole thing is so. For instance, let's go. Let's let's talk about Supercross and the Rolex. So there's a Best Buy right across the street from Daytona International Speedway on International Boulevard. Right next to it, you're it, it's it's a massive parking lot. It's huge. So during none of those events. They don't charge a penny. Nothing. They let you go in and out, use the bathroom. They 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 do not care. And again, I understand that it's probably not the mass quantity of a cup race. I get that. But to charge $50 for a truck race to park and like $50 for an Xfinity race to park, yeah. and then you close off the bathrooms to customers only, yeah, that's that. Uh, that's that's a the issue. business. That's a business making money off the sport. I feel like that. I think that should be a city ordinance that they cannot. Like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's it's crazy to pay. You know. Yeah, I got you there. All right. Well, enough about that. Uh, that's uh, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good rant. And I am gonna I'm gonna check this out after we're done here. Um, I, I want to check prices on at least hotels. So, um, uh, next, I guess we want to get into, there were a few, but, um, I know Austin Till involved in another wreck here. Um, w- didn't even really get a chance to start last week at auto or yeah, auto club and, uh, was involved in another one here at, uh, Vegas. Just can't quite seem to catch a break here. Yeah, no, it's, it's extremely lucky that he got the win in Daytona so early on because, He's, he's had nothing but bad luck, but he had, you know, really good speed. That that was one thing that really surprised me. He had such good speed at Las Vegas, was able to lead a few laps. And he's he's honestly been more of a surprise that he's outperforming, you know, the racetrack. It may not be the finishes for the last two races, but outperforming Sheldon Creed, which I thought Sheldon Creed would, gonna, would be coming into the series. And I thought that he'd be running, you know, top five every week. I, I thought he yeah. was going to be. You know, boat. you know, he he's almost he's almost not. Maybe it's a little more equipment wise, kind of like on the cup size with the RCR. But and, you know, I thought that he would be an improvement maybe from my Snyder. But really, Sheldon's kind of running in the same realm that my Snyder has been running in. 
you know, but to see Austin go out there, lead some laps, was competitive all race, ran top five, you know, top 10 consistently on a consistent basis. That's that's one thing that I makes the finishes in the last two weeks maybe worse was just that he has been competitive and he has been pretty quick, which impresses me coming from everybody thought he was basically a pay driver in the truck series. Yeah. You know, and then coming into the Xfinity series, taking a chance on himself. You know, he left he left the top ride in the truck series. Like nobody can nobody can disagree with that. To come into, you know, a second car at RCR, which again, I get it. It's RCR, it's still a big team, but with no very little Xfinity series experience, and he goes out, leads a lap, wins a race, you know, and has been really quick. So that's that's why I say poor Austin Hill on that one. He's, he hasn't been able to finish off what I think are good runs. Indeed. And then one more thing before we get into the uh, the finishing results here. Um, you had pointed out that uh, when the five of Matt Mills hit the wall in the back straightaway, a lot of head movement, which we saw at Daytona with Ricky Stenhouse. Um, I know you wanted to go into that a little bit more here. Yeah, I think the only reason I kind of bring it up is because I see a continued consistency a pattern in you know in the head movement you know so the times that we saw it was ricky stenhouse again we don't have any really good end cars of other accidents uh you know with the hybrid and then the regular traditional hans device it seems like the hybrid and i know ricky was trying to defend it by saying oh it was loose here loose there but it seems like the hybrid allows a lot more movement than the Hans device. And that's that's kind of worrying. If you go back and you look at the slim of, of Mills, I mean his head, I mean it could have been at a more perfect angle for you to see it. Like his his head goes right at the steering wheel. You know, and maybe maybe it is just we because we don't have enough in cars of the Hans device. But I guarantee you that if you go back and look at the videos of the Hans device that do have in cars from the past few years. Now, either the cars are more rigid, so they're hitting a little harder. And like I said, there has been a lot of hard hits. Or the hybrid device just isn't as good of an option as the Hans device. And that is a little bit, that's a little bit worrying to me. Are we picking comfort over safety? Yeah. Yeah, and I know that a lot of the dirt guys are wearing that. Obviously, uh, we saw Ricky. Um, I know Kyle wears the same thing. I think maybe Christopher Bell, um, but... Um, there's definitely some guys that still wear the traditional over the neck one. Um, but it seems like, like you said, the, uh, the hybrid is becoming more and more popular. So, um, we'll just have to kind of hope for the best there, I guess. I don't know what, but, or what much more you can do on that. So, all right. Um, well, I think that about does it for the Xfinity series, um kind of talking points there let's go into the finishing results here uh michael won on friday i ended up winning on saturday uh good pick by ty gibbs uh winning there led six laps and um you know i kind of would like to see the guy who finished second win more honestly just noah gregson his home track um led a lot of that race didn't lead the most laps at 52 um justin allgaier i think led or led 62 which was the most but um I think I would have liked to seen Noah win more, but overall comes home second, so good day for them. Uh, Daniel Hemrick third, Josh Berry fourth, Justin Allgaier in fifth. Um, Michael, any people that stand out in that top five? Um, yeah, I, 
yeah, heartbreaking for for Noah. That was that was a tough one uh, coming so close. Especially, yeah, I know he wanted to win it at home. Um, but if you just to kind of roll through uh, the colleague cars, they didn't have as much speed as I thought they would, especially with AJ, you know, being on two poles in a row. Clearly, the car has pretty good one lap speed. AJ was able to, able to lead there for a little bit, um, but really kind of fell off mid race. But still, they were able to bring all three cars into the top ten. You know, same thing with uh, JRM was able to bring all but the one car, which had a really good run going. You know, into the top into the top ten. The uh, the Toyotas, Brandon Jones, a little concerning. I know he finished tenth, but he really hasn't been a factor for the past two. Ryan Truex ran really well in the eighteen until his uh, unfortunate mishap. But I think. The two that I want to point out are the biggest, uh, you know, thumbs up and, you know, I'm happy for him is Landon Castle finally, finally was able to put a good run together. Yes. Uh, made a few questionable calls on restart choices, I think, that really ended up hurting his finishing. I think I think he probably had like a third or fourth place card just kind of looking at where the lap times were. Um, but it seemed like he really liked the bottom on the restarts and I feel like he kind of got stuck there a little bit on, on a few um, and then I got to give it to the O2 um, of Brett Moffat. He was in the accident when the 39th car so poorly tried to wreck the 54. And he got in the wall really, really hard. Um, thankful for the composite body. But uh, being able to come back and finish eighth, that's that's really good uh, two weeks for uh, our motorsports as, as a group. Indeed. And uh, just to finish that up, Landon Castle, as you mentioned, came home sixth. Sheldon Creed, seventh. Brett Moffat, eighth. A.J. Elmendinger, ninth. Brandon Jones, 10th. He's always been a questionable one for me. He's gotten a few wins, but I don't know. He's just been, it's, he, it seems flaky, I guess. I don't really know. But one person I do want to shout out here real quick is Jeremy Clements coming home in 11th. Great run for those guys. Um, and I would say John Had Hunter Nemechek at 12th, but I think yeah, uh, yep, he has some. That's, and that was, that was a, uh, the 26th car, car talked about last week uh, with Jeffrey Hearnard in it. Ran in the top 10 ended up having uh you know an, an unlucky engine failure but again the 26 car ran in the top 10 most of the day um and finished 12th for you know basically a startup race team kind of like collared racing that's kind of come out of nowhere what a, what a good finish so far and they keep putting decent drivers in there that can finish races that don't tear up equipment so i think again i'm going to go ahead and say that's another car that you got to watch out for and I guess really quickly here, jumping back to the Friday race, Michael, I kind of want to go back to uh, the biggest surprise as well as the, the biggest letdown here real quick. Um, and I guess we can, can start with you. I just want to know the, the, the guy who surprised you the most as well as the one who kind of you question and kind of let you down a little bit here. Um, I think for the one that let me down a little bit, um, he still ended up having a good run and he got disqualified, which would automatically be Zane Smith. I think what disappointed me about the run was the poor decision he made on that restart. Clearly the truck was fast, had a, has a fast, you know, is going to have fast trucks throughout the rest of the year, as we can already tell. But you almost see kind of the impatience. It's it's almost like anytime he gets in the truck, he's now trying to prove himself, even after he won Daytona. He, he kind of feels like, you know, he had a shot with JRM in the Xfinity Series, ran really well, deserved a chance, then went to, you know, a good a good truck team, had a chance, has finished second in the championship two years in a row, has won races, has, you know, 
run tops five most every week. And then he comes down, gets another, you know, it's almost like he has kind of like a chip on his shoulder. Like nobody thinks that, you know, he's worth anything, but clearly he is. But I feel like he kind of drives, kind of reminds me of like Noah Graxon and his like second year of Xfinity kind of, kind of deal. Like we talked about last week is I think if he's able to just rein it back a little bit, I, I think he'll be, will be good. Um, I do, while we're doing, I do have two kind of disappointing, but my second disappointment is actually a full team. Um, GMS, they've, they've kind of just fallen off a cliff and I love Grant Enfinger. I, I, I think he's one of the best drivers that doesn't get enough credit, mm-hmm. but it almost seems like their whole team has no speed. Yeah. Um, so that one, that one's super, super surprising to me, especially again, somebody with Grant Enfinger. Now I know he was part of an accident this week, but he still didn't have race winning speed. I, I don't even think he had top five speed. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of a trend with the Chevys. If you look, you know, at the running order, the Chevys that finished in, in the top 10 really only benefited from the faster Toyotas, you know, falling out, you know, Christian Eckes, that's one, John Hermanimacek, you know, that's two, Ben Rhodes, that's three, you know, you add those three plus the, plus the, the 38, you know, Matt drops down to 10th and then that's the only Chevy. That's it. You know, if you, if you move those teams up. So the Chevys are kind of concerning, especially um, GMS. But my most surprising is I'm going to have to go. I think we talked about earlier, um, Tanner Gray coming from, you know, the drag racing world. He's done such a good job this year. And I know we're only two races in, but you kind of see the decision making. It's, it's a little bit better. You know, he's able to run where his equipment's supposed to run. He's not overdriving it. There was times where he stepped it out a little bit during the race, but he backed it down. He gave up spots when it was time to give up the spots and then try to earn them back later. So um, I'm going to go, you know, my attaboy for, for Tanner Gray. Seems like he's getting better uh, each and every race. And I think uh, when it comes down to it, I think that 15 will win a, win a race by the end of the year. I believe you're right. Well, my, uh, my biggest surprise is going to have to go to Matt Benedetto just because he was pretty much out of the picture for the entirety of that race. And then I don't even know how he got to second, honestly. Um, seemed like he kind of just showed up out of nowhere. But um, good to see that team run good. Um, I know that they didn't have much luck in Daytona, so good to see him uh, run up there in sixth. And my di- biggest disappointment is kind of a questionable one, but I think it has to go to Tyler Ankrum just because he was a truck that we didn't hear from much either. You'd mentioned that that is arguably a top team at this point you know maybe not a class but maybe b or i'd probably put them in the b class in terms of um you know the quality of teams out there um two truck team and i think uh the other team truck got a higher finish 14th yeah chase birdie which which the one thing i have to say about those two trucks is it is the first year with two trucks um but i think I think since Brett Moffat left and Austin Hill was there, they run, which really, which really still surprised me, which is as competitive as they were, really, really has to have sponsorship dollars. Yeah. So I think this year they went out and they got drivers that brought money. Is Tyler good? I think so. But you just, you never know. Like he'll go up and he'll run, he'll lead 20, 30 laps, and then he'll either crash or finish 20th. 
in the same race, you know, type of deal. So I I agree. I I think, um, I think Tyler is a bit of a surprise that he didn't run any better, especially on a mile and a half track, which is uh, Harriota's specialty, so to speak. Um, But I'm giving them a little bit of slack with it being their first year with two teams. So maybe we'll see a pickup in performance. Maybe we won't, but I, I agree with that one. All right. And then jumping back to Saturday, biggest surprise and biggest disappointment. Uh, this, this one's tough. Uh, cause the, the, the race, the race was, the race was really, you know, it was good. I, I got to admit. Um, I think the biggest surprise, uh, for me is, it's kind of, like I said, kind of, uh, the, the, the Chevy dominance. I know there's more Chevys than there are Toyotas. Um, and Fords, but just the fact that two Toyotas finished in the top in the top ten, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a long season for any other manufacturer if it's not a, a Chevy. So uh, you definitely kind of see the dollar ship money and and that one a little bit more, um, and I definitely think it helps having you know your team have Dale Earnhardt and you know or JR Motorsports on, on the, you know, on the owner's sheet. So, um, but again, I think my big surprise is going to be, you know, the, just the, the group of Chevys. Um, it, it's, it's tough to have that many cars that are, that are that good. You know, I think from Noah on to like Justin, all of those car, all of those Chevys could have won. And then most of these other ones were top or top 10. Um, and my biggest disappointment is actually, I'm going to have to go again, and I know it was a rant earlier. I'm going to have to go with NASCAR on the Jesse Luigi thing. Four seconds, almost 10 seconds slower in qualifying. That That's my biggest disappointment is NASCAR. We we got to get a hold of the situation to where they bring a little bit of sponsorship money. They get a car that has basically four wheels on it, has a Pinto motor, and it goes out there, qualifies four seconds slower than the slowest car. It's 10 seconds off the pace. Come on now. That that's and then and then goes out and crashes in the middle of the field. Yeah. That that that's that that's all that's all I'm gonna say on that one. That's NASCAR's my disappointment on that situation. Indeed. Well, I think my biggest surprise is gonna have to be Jeremy Clements just with that eleventh place finish. Um I believe he may have been close to being involved in something earlier in the race. I could be wrong about that, but I thought I remember seeing him in one of the uh, directs towards the beginning. But um, overall, good finish for him. Um, I know they spoke to him in the uh, little snow delay, so maybe that amped him up for that good finish. Um, And then my biggest disappointment is a really tough one because I really don't know who to give that to. Um, Might be a little harsh, but I think I'm going to have to give it to to Ty Gibbs. Um, and I'm hoping it's going to be a learning experience for him, but, um, just the way he kind of handled the, uh, the whole, um, Ryan Seek thing, obviously it didn't affect him on track, but, um, I'm hoping cause it didn't sound like from what we heard at the track, he, um, got much out of it, but I'm hoping that that could have been a learning experience for him. And, um, just, just in learning patience, because I feel like if he nails that, he's probably going to be one of the best race car drivers we've ever seen in NASCAR. But, um, I think uh, obviously he won, but I think the the biggest thing or the 
one of the quotes that applies here is to finish first, first you must finish. So um, it's null and void for this week, but I'm, I am hoping that he takes something out of it and that if he's put in that same situation later down the road, that it's a little bit of a different outcome. So that's my hope. All right. Well, uh, why don't we talk about Cup, the uh, the big uh, event of the weekend. Um, Michael, we'll start out with the, what we saw with the, the Gen 6 here real quick. Um, I absolutely, Gen 7. Gen Next 7. Gen. Yeah, my bad. Don't. My bad. Living in the past still, apparently. Don't don't bring that don't bring that evil back. Yeah, it wasn't a bad car, man. Come on, give it a chance. Um, the uh, the racing though, I uh, were three races into it, but it uh, it you know there were moments there were there were things that I didn't like about the mile and a half racing, but overall the racing I felt was a great balance between what we saw with the five fifty with how racy it was with a mix of them actually having to drive the race cars. I think it's the perfect balance. The, I think my biggest, the racing was good, uh, which, which again, extremely nice to see, especially on a mile and a half where the past few years, it's kind of been a snooze fest unless it's a, a restart. But things that I saw that I liked is the side draft still worked to a point, but wasn't overly powerful for either lane. Yeah. You know, if somebody was running and rolling the top, they were able to still roll the top and they were still able to drive away even if the car on the bottom got to the quarter panel. You know, it wasn't immediately sucked back like it was in the past. So that was nice. But then also the outside car was able to hold back and hang with the car on the bottom after being side draft. So you know, that's I think that's one thing we even saw last week, California, is the draft isn't massive uh, with these cars, which is nice compared to the Gen 6 with the 550 and that big ass spoiler. So <laughs> that's one thing that's that's nice, I think, to see that I that I saw. Uh, another thing, too, is I was surprised how well they were actually able to drive on each other's doors um, going into the corner. Yeah, uh, I, I you know, I was watching the final you know, the final restart. And I, and I honestly, like in my head, you know, especially with, with, you know, Kyle being there in third, I'm like, okay, this is how I actually see this playing out is Kyle's going to go down, try to suck the air off the 48, 48 car is going to get loose and they're going to move up the racetrack and Kyle might have a chance, but he did. He planted it right on the door and the 48 car was actually able to just drive up off the corner and just, mm-hmm. just leaving. So that, that really impressed me, especially with how, these cars uh how easy they are to crash you know how tough they are to drive that was one thing that was really really surprising which again i think is another big factor of not having all that side force and not having that flat uh you know right side body you know having both sides be equal um you know proportionate wise was is is really really nice so uh that that's one thing that i noticed there is like it, it no cars really got sucked around like that cars got loose underneath other cars, but that was more of just being a little loose in that situation, but no cars got sucked around. Like you, like you would see like in the truck race, you saw it a few times trucks would get sucked around or even the Xfinity race. So that was one thing that I, that I saw that I think is going to be really nice moving forward too. Um, at, at other mile and a half is it's not so easy to suck the car around. They're not so air dependent in that situation. 
Indeed. And then one thing you and I both discussed that um, was kind of nice to see. It seemed like, and I can't remember any cars that got stuck with flat tires this week. It seemed like everybody was able to roll away pretty easily, actually. And you had mentioned, and I hadn't even noticed it, um, it seemed like they were trying to get uh, moving a little slower um, in that they were trying to get the rear tires moving a little bit instead of just mashing the gas and um, getting them rolling. And it seemed like it was doing a lot better job than it was last week. Yeah, it was, um, you know, when we were talking about it, it's kind of like uh, being stuck in dirt or mud. You know, if, if you if you smash a gas, you're just going to make your hole bigger, you know, to whereas if you, you know, slowly release the clutch and slowly try to get going, all you're looking for is a flat surface to, to, to just get you rolling. And uh, I think the biggest one that I saw is where I really noticed it was uh, when Brad Kozlowski spun out. Mm. He didn't, you know, try to spin and, and light it up like they normally do, try to get going as fast as they can and not get lapped. His first two initial roll of the tires was extremely slow, like just trying to get it going, trying to get it going. And then once it started rolling, that's when he fired off and went. So um, now whether that's true or not, that's what it looks like. And that's why that's kind of what it looked like to me is why they were more successful with being able to get up and go is it looks like they're a little bit more easy on throttle application to just get rolling down the road. Yeah. And good observation there too. Um, but it was, it was kind of nice to see. I can't remember anybody who had to get towed away in the cup race um, this week. So everybody was able to, to roll and that's very refreshing. Now this, this poses the question of if this is going to be like this every week, I'll be interested to see if this continues at Phoenix, if it's as easy to drive away, do we even address the the tire issue? Cause I mean, it, we've, we've proven that we can roll away at this point. Do we change anything still at this point? If we see the same thing at Phoenix or do we just leave it as it is? Um, uh, my personal opinion, I think you still have to just, the, just for the fact that the rear diffuser, uh, drags on the racetrack so badly that and it, it, we're trying to save the team money you know here and there and i can't imagine fixing those yeah is a simple thing it's probably just a you just get a new one from, from you put a new one on it's it. actually i think it's built into the the body or something the under like that. The, the underfloor right yeah. so like you have to replace that or can they fix it is it you know a removal piece here removal part there so that's that's my only concern on it is there is damaging a vital part of the race car um over over a flat tire now i know that's that's how it's always been um but with trying to save the team money that's one of those situations to where if they can find a way to just lift the car up you know even if it's two three inches you know off the ground it might be a little less damage here and there so i'm sure they'll still look into it but it was nice to see that no car had to be towed away. No car had to lose laps. And there was quite a few spins. So um, yeah. maybe it was a tire situation as well. Maybe the tire was a different construction that just worked better after being spun out. Indeed. And, you know, you want to save the team's money, but you also don't want them to have to start buying new parts, especially in the, the current situation that they're all in with uh, the scarcity and um, not really knowing what parts you can get. And I guess um, we, I do want to touch on this. Um, the, uh, the weekend that Kyle Busch had. Um want to preface this by saying that both of us are Kyle Busch fans, so we'll try and exclude the the most bias we can. But what a weekend. I mean, crashed in practice, flat tire going into three, no fault of his own, 
And that, that whole Joe Gibbs racing team, not just the 18 team, but the entirety of that Joe Gibbs team, the amount of effort and work they put in on Saturday to get that car ready for Sunday, um, had a huge round of applause to them. And, uh, they, they definitely deserve the Monday off. I hope they got it. Yeah, I think, and to go back to that situation, I think the most shocking and it's almost the most scary thing to me was, is you look at the Toyota teams, uh, how many are there? Uh, six, six. I think there's six, right? Six. Yep. Um, I don't even know if the 96 car is planning on running. I don't this think year, they but... even exist anymore, honestly. Really? Okay. So you have six Toyota teams and that was the only backup they had. Yeah. And it wasn't even and supposed there... to be a backup. No. And there's only six Toyotas. Imagine Chevy's, all the Fords that like that, that's, that's worrying to me. You know, you, you think by now, you know, th- you know, three races in the season that the Toyota teams would have more than one backup because there's so few of them, you know, there's less parts to spread around, you know? So that was one thing that, yeah, yeah, though, this is, oh, it's just a parts car. They got to take parts off the wrecked race car to even put this car together. You're just like, that's just not good. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's kind of worrisome, but again, uh, really good effort, really good team effort. Um, I know, I know they had a nice picture after they got the car wrapped and finished and everything. Uh, and put back together, you know, they had a nice little picture where Joe was in there, you know, talking to the guys and that, that's a, that's a good, that's a good definition of a leader. Yeah. You know, he, he was there when it was finished. He was there congratulating his guys, um, you know, letting them know that he appreciates all the work they put in. So that was really, really nice to see. But what, like you said, man, what, what a weekend, you know, crashed, crashed it on, on Friday or Saturday. What day was it? When was practice? Yeah, it was Saturday. Friday, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Okay. Um, so crash it on Saturday. They spend 10 or so hours getting it fixed. Goes out, spins it uh, in an accident. You know, barely misses, uh, a, you know, having a little bit more damage. The shifter gets stuck to where he can't downshift. <laughs> and then, you know, holds off the eight, the the 19 car with 18 laps to go um, to only get burned by a caution. But it proves two things to me, um, and I know it wasn't wasn't a popular thing that he said, but it, it really is true that all of these cars are basically the same. You know, I don't think had this been the Gen 6 car, I'm not sure that it would have been as easy to drive back up through the field uh, to be able to win the race in a backup car. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I was kind of in the same boat. Once they rolled that gray car out and they kind of, i pretty sure I heard the terms, nowhere near ready. I was like, oh boy, this is, uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. And, uh, but no, I mean, they worked eight straight hours on that, got it ready. And um, yeah, to, <laughs> I think that's what hurts the most as a Kyle fan, only to come home fourth with that after pretty much everything that they went through and you know what i'm gonna transition from that into the radio comments at this point i know there's a whole race we have to get into but i think we all just have to get it off our chests um i heard a lot and i again i was listening to sirius xm for most of the day today to kind of get the monday thoughts of everybody um that was pretty much the topic of the day not alex's win um and you know he virtually stole it um we're gonna there's no 
if ands or buts about that. He won the first stage, but the 300 cars taking the two tires, it was between him and Kyle Larson. So um, all of them were pretty much. Which was not... which was a good strategy play. You yes, can't, yes. I'm not going to knock them on the strategy. Can't take away from that. No, oh, yeah. no. Perfect strategy because as I told Michael earlier, I thought four tires was the play. I thought he was just going to drive around them, and I'd have you know, no hind- tires. hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, if the twenty four didn't side draft him as much, I think the twenty four probably won Hendrick that race. Honestly, with how much he was side drafting that eighteen, but I- I'm not complaining. That's what you have to do. That's racing. They they played it play- perfectly. The part I don't like is how Kyle's radio comments were the uh, really the story of the day. That's a driver that went through the emotions of wrecking a car on Saturday, not even knowing if he was going to have a car to race on Sunday. Like, I don't know if we can emphasize that anymore. The amount of work they had to put in and just not knowing, you know, the unknowns of Sunday, they got it fixed, yes. And then you go into that race, almost spins out, wrecks the car again, and then comes down pit road, has the busted shifter, can't downshift. They fix that, only to drive all the way up again, to almost win yeah at home too at home that's the part that probably hurts the most as a kyle fan to know that he was that close to a win only to get burned by eric jones who granted it was a hard hit um but yeah got that hard hit and turn four two laps to go brings out the yellow and uh you know i think we all were kind of like well that might be it right there um we all they all came down pit road hendrick got the four tires or the two tires which was the right call i was I was content with four knowing they had 40 laps on those tires, but um, they played it right and they won. Um, and that's a guy who just experienced all those emotions of a weekend, made some comments on the radio, his personal team radio, and um, was very cordial, mind you, on the you know the bullpen interviews after the race. I don't know. I didn't see any videos of him you know, bad-mouthing anything. He made the comment about the cars, but... As you said, Which Michael, I he's, went, not, he's not wrong. No, I, I went down to my local Walmart. They had, unfortunately, none available. But they <laughs> did say that they could get one shipped to me in three to four weeks. Um, and that it would be race ready. So, we'll see how that turns out. Um, but again, it, like, the 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 last comment about the Walmart thing, that's... What, what do you expect? What do you expect from Kyle? What do you think he's going to say? You know, since his car was introduced... What was his biggest gripe about it is that it takes all the fabrication work and jobs away from the people that have all the skills to do this. It takes team identity away. You know, for the longest time, uh, you know, when the, what was it, the the COT, the Gen 5, right? You could expect the Joe Gibbs racing cars to be really, really good at short tracks, right? They dominated Richmond. They dominated Martinsville throughout that time. They dominated Bristol. They were really good at short tracks. Whatever they had was a really good short track package. Fast forward into the Gen 6, you know, the Ford of, uh, you know, of Kevin Harvick was really good at every mile and a half, you know, but kind of struggled on the short tracks. You didn't see him perform as well. Uh, You know, the Hendrick cars, I would say, you know, especially you look at Chase Elliott, if you looked at a racetrack where you had to keep the rear tires on it, road courses, Martinsville. The nine car was extremely good on long runs. Like that's where he run the race. He always had rear tire grip. So you kind of look at that. Okay. That was built into their, their system. And then you have the Joe Gibbs cars, which kind of could win every weekend. But I think that was a lot to do with Toyota and the effort they put in with this car. 
everything's the same. So, you know, who's going to be good at the short track? It's going to be more driver, you know, which which that's what we wanted. We all wanted it to be a little bit more driver. But it is extremely close to a spec series. And we can't get away from that and be upset because a driver makes that comment when it's true. It's no different than, you know, what, what everybody thought of IndyCar. You know, IndyCar is somewhat of a spec series. Do we love watching it? Is it good racing? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, there's very few differences in the car. That's why they started getting the manufacturer of Chevrolet and Honda involved in like the aero package and things like that, just so they look different because people complain. You know, look, it's not Formula One. Not every car is is designed, you know, inch by inch, you know, millimeter by millimeter to be perfect aerodynamically here and there. You know, as a race fan, I was upset. But again, the comment wasn't wrong. It is becoming more of a spec series. You know, he said Walmart, but honestly, you buy the bodies from Five Star. It doesn't matter if it's a Toyota or a Chevy. They all come from Five Star. You go to the order book, you push one, you know, you put in your address, you put in your credit card number, and bam, they'll send you one. You know, it, it you know, one has a Toyota badge, the other one has a Chevy. So is a comment wrong? No. The fact that people get so upset about it is just because it's Kyle. You know, it's it, it's not wrong. You can't be upset because it's, you know, it's like a dig. It's a little bit of a dig, but it's not, it's true. It's not wrong. The cars are the same. That's what we all wanted. We wanted it to be into the driver's hand. We wanted the cars that typically finish 15th to be able to have a chance to win. Look how excited everybody was that Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez had a chance to win uh, last week. You think that ever happens if we have the same development that we had for the Gen 6? No, it's not. So we can't be upset when he calls out the things that we already know because we're afraid of the word spec series. You know, like, just get over it. It, it is what it is. NASCAR has turned into a spec series. It's not like the good old days to where, you know, things were built here, built there. At the beginning, very beginning of NASCAR, NASCAR was technically a spec series. You could go and buy the same car that Richard Petty drove because it was the same. It was an actual car off the street. Now, yeah, you know, he had his own little innovations here and there, which I'm sure all these two, the, these teams will continue to develop here and there. But it, it, right now, it is a spec series to a point. You know, there's so little known about these cars that everything is really pretty much the same. And I think that showed on Sunday. The 18 had absolutely zero laps on it. It had barely any parts put on it. You know, it had shifter problems, and it still almost won the race. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, I'm a Kyle Busch fan. I think he's a great driver. But I also think... Kyle Larson could have done the same thing in a backup car. I think Alex Bowman could have finished. I think he could have ran the same as he was before the caution in a backup car. The return backup car almost is non-existent now because the cars are 100% identical. You know, so that that's my gripe kind of on that is we're afraid of seeing spec series. So we get upset when somebody calls it out. NASCAR at this moment is a spec series. Get over it is what it is. Do we love the racing? Are you happy about the racing, Justin? I am ecstatic about the racing. Um, do, do you do you care that it's that it's quote unquote a spec series at this point? 
I I don't, but at the same time, I am. It was a little bit sad to to see at you know the amount of jobs that were lost um, back then. But the thing is, is that we may gain back some of that. You know, some teams are good in some places, and some teams are good in the others, just because of you know it's still the same teams, still the same engineers. It's just different tools to work with. So, you know, some teams may excel in some tracks, some teams may excel in others. We're, it's we're always going to be an innovation. Yes, and it's ever evolving too. At this point, again, we're only three races into this, so <laughs> anything can happen at this point. This series is probably going to look a ton different come Homestead or sorry, Homestead Phoenix. Um, it could be different Homestead too, because that's in the playoffs at this point. But, um, but the one thing that I want to touch on as well is just the um, the radio comments by Kyle, you know, about Alex. Um, I. <laughs> I won't say that he backed into it. I'll say that he lucked into it. He did win the first stage, but by no means do I think that, you know, the uh, it was the right call at the end is what won it. Um, a little bit of luck as well, you know, with the other guys taking four. But, uh, again, the, the problem I have is that the, the story of the day was Kyle's comment on the radio saying that Alex backed into that win and not the fact that, Hendrick Motorsports is still the same winning organization that it was last year and is probably going to go on a tirade at this point. Um, you know, we'll have to see how everything looks out, but I it, it looks as though that team is uh, is in pretty good shape with this next-gen car at this point. Yeah, I mean, I was, and, you know, we talked last week uh, on here about how I was worried about the Toyotas. This week, come out, sit on the pole, you know, at the race finishes under green, you have, you know, they finish one, two, Denny Hamlin, uh, you know, led most of the first stage before, uh, but uh, I think it was a caution, um, ruined, ruined his bid there. But, but again, though, it goes back to kind of the argument we were just having with the spec series, you know, now is Alex Bowman, is a good driver. We've known he's a good driver. That's why he got the opportunity he has. So it's no surprise to see Hendrick up there. You know, it's no surprise to see, you know, you got Tyler Reddick up there again after his few spins. You have, you know, the the, the Gibbs guys up there. You know, the, the good drivers are still going to the front, which is why they had the, the good rides to begin with. Now the big surprises, you know, are there and are still there. You know, Eric Amarillo. I mean, he, the dude snuck in for a top 10. Or, you know, sixth place. I didn't even know where he was at the whole race. You know, so Ross Chastain, you know, type of those things. So you, you're now getting a little bit more flavor. But as, you know, they always say, the cream always rises to the top in these situations. So it's no surprise that Hendrick is up front. It's no surprise that Gibbs are there. Um, you know, and I think it's going to be the same thing for the rest of the year. You're going to see people that are really good at some racetracks that are really good at bad ones. Chase Elliott really hasn't had that good of a year so far has struggled a little bit. You know, he had a chance last week and he got drove into the wall, but he still wasn't, you know, one of the best there. You know, the nine was, yeah. was the nine was, you know, third or fourth place car. We'll see when we get to Martinsville in a few weeks, we'll see when we get to road courses, you know, we'll see him rise back up the, you know, the ladder to where he's, you know, he's normally at on this racetrack. So I think it's, it's, you're going to see the same people run in the same places with the same cars. Now you're going to have people that are here and there like Eric Jones. 
we know he's he's pretty good at Daytona or at uh, at Bristol. So we may see him at a shot at win at Bristol. You know, compared to before, maybe he didn't have that chance. You're still going to see the same guys every week. You're going to have a few sprinkled in here and there. Ross Chastain got his first win, um, you know, in an Xfinity car at Las Vegas. Clearly likes being there. Ran, and it shows right here. Ran really well. Yeah. You know, where'd he run last week? You know, barely top 10, I think. So, well, he had some again, last week. you know, but again, though, you see he likes this place. He runs well here in other series. He runs well here in Cup. Um, it's it's you're you're gonna see that discrepancy throughout the year, but you're still going to have the best guys at the best racetracks be at the top. Yes, the best teams will still rise to the top, like you said. So, um, real quick, a few other things I want to get to. Um, Danica Patrick, first time in the booth. Um, I won't say that she was bad. She was she was pretty good. She was um, yeah. She she was. She was I, I give her credit. I would classify it as okay. I didn't hate it. it I yeah. didn't want to. I didn't want to poke my eyeballs out or my ears. Like so, so, I saw some people complaining on Twitter. It wasn't. It, well, I don't think it was that bad. I think they were just complaining because it was Danica. Kind of the same thing of yeah. you know about the Kyle thing. But um, yeah, I, I think she. I think she did a good job. She had some relatively good, uh, you know, good things to say. I do want to point out one thing she said, which I said last week uh, when you and I talked on the podcast. And I've been saying it to um, a few other iRacing buddies that we that we all know. You know, she made a comment that this car reminds her of an Indy car, which that's what I've been saying with the way with the way it kind of drives. So um, if anything, she could have been off in the booth. And because she agreed with what I said, uh, autom- automatically makes it good for me. Automatic brownie points. I love it. Yep. Yeah, and we have her again for Phoenix next week. I'm going to be really interested to see uh, who they have um, in the booth after that. One thing I do want to point out, because, again, I was listening to SiriusXM. There was a caller um, earlier this morning on the show Larry's on that answered a, asked a question that I've been always wanting to ask. Um, why isn't he in the booth? Uh, he has no – he you know he misses the racetrack and uh, would like to be there, but he respects the decisions of the people higher up. And that's where he left it. Um, so I will say that the amount of outpour and support that I saw uh, when he was there for the duels was pretty outrageous, actually. It was great to see. And um, hoping they get him back in the booth at some point because I think yeah. everybody loves Larry Mack. Everybody, yeah. I, I extremely love Larry Mack. I love uh, – I think the thing about it is what he knows now may not be as irrelevant as it was 10 15 years ago you know especially with the new car but the guy does his homework yes. and he just he he loves this sport like you know he uh i listened to uh, it's called the scene vault podcast and it's on spotify you can go go look it up and it did like the six-part series um and you know talked to him like when he was like with davy and then Earnhardt and and things like that and then to the booth you you listen to him talking he he loves he loves nascar he loves racing you know this sport is you know his his livelihood this you know it's it's almost like this sport is his you know second wife kind of uh, so anytime you talk to him you know it's it's coming from passion he does the work uh you know and he just he bring he just brings that enthusiasm that i think you you kind of miss um from 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 a few people here and there uh, but yeah, I, I, I hope they get him in the booth, uh, especially with, with Clinton there. Uh, 
know, Clint is, you know, Clint, he says dumb things every once in a while. <laughs> and I think it'd be, it'd be nice to have uh, Larry up there when he does it. Indeed. And then one last part I want to touch on, um, Brad Kozlowski, uh, spins out, I guess the second week in a row, but, uh, involved in a caution for the third week in a row. Well, I mean, does it count if you spin two people out? Does that count as spinning out? I mean, I, I will consider that part of a caution. I don't know if I'll consider that spinning out, but I mean, essentially the same thing. Um, yeah, uh, with the Brad thing, I almost feel, again, like like we had the conversation. All of these cars are, are almost a, a spec car, so to speak. But it does seem like Daytona, you saw the Fords rise to the occasion. They were by far the best cars there. And even even at the Clash, you know, the Fords weren't great. You know, Joey, Joey ended up on the race, but I think that's more a testament to Joey than it was uh, the Ford itself. Um, so the Fords really struggled the past two weekends. It doesn't seem like they have the speed that the Chevy and even the Toyotas this week had. So that's something that I kind of want to look out for for the rest of the first half of the of the year, I think once we like I said, once we get into like the summer area, we'll start having a little bit better idea about which manufacturers is really a little bit farther ahead than the others and and you know aerodynamic wise and and you know things here and there. But it seems like Brad these past few weeks and even in Daytona is he wants to it's almost it's almost like when he was a rookie in the cup series, like he wants to win so badly because his name's on that door. You know, his name was on a truck team for, what was it, 10 years? And I, t and I think it took him like nine years of it to win a truck race. Uh, you know, I think it's just one of the things where he's, I think he's overdriving his equipment right now. And I think it shows because of simple mistakes that I don't think you'd see Brad, Brad made in the past 10 or so years. And I, I would assume that some of that is just, you know, the learning curve of this new car as well. But um, I've, I've, I will say personally, I've definitely come around from Brad since uh, 2014 at Texas, um, along the other things that happened in 2014 with him. But um, I've definitely gained a lot more respect for him, was really happy to see this move. And uh, I'm, I'm really hoping it just it works out for him. Um, I'm hoping they get this thing turned around and they can start getting some better finishes because we all know that Brad can do it. It's just uh, we'll just have to hope that he can kind of get his arms around this car. And uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of it. Just stop spinning out. Plus, have you seen their throwback options? I did. Yes. I know uh, one of them is Matt Kenseth. Is the other one uh, Mark Martin? Uh, the Viagra, the reverse yes. Viagra car. Yeah. 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 That's a uh, good choice. But yeah, I, I, I think uh, I obvious reasons of why you and I dislike brad you know what i'm saying yeah. uh we have that obvious with with us being kyle bush fans we have that ten you know tenderness you could say towards brad and in, in certain areas but i respect brad he's he's a great race car driver um you know seems like he's seems like he's relatively a good person you know kind of two-faced on and off the racetrack type of thing but a lot of drivers are anyways so but I have so much respect for the guy, and I I hope that he brings Roush up to where they should be. You know, it, it's sad that Roush isn't the top Ford, you know, as they were for, you know, 30 years. Um, 
so I, I think I think that's one thing that I look forward to is I hope Brad does get the ship righted over there at Roush and brings that forward back up to prominence, you know, to at least be able to try to win win some races. Again, not the biggest Brad fan, but in this situation, my respect for him outweighs my dislike. And I hope that he is able to bring that team back where I think it should be, you know, especially with such such deep alliances with with Ford. You know, the Stuart Haas has kind of taken over the Ford banner a little bit. Um, but I think it'd be really nice if, if Roush could get back up there as well. Indeed. All right, let's let's uh, let's go over some finishing results here. Um, as you all know, Alex Bowman, your winner, leading 16 laps um, in the Pennzoil 400s. Or, yeah, the Pennzoil 400. So um, Kyle Larson came home second. Ross Chastain, what can you say? A great day for him in third. Kyle Busch, indeed, 83 of them. And, and Kyle Busch in fourth. We all know what happened there. And uh, William Byron, fifth. Um, this will go down all the way here. Eric Amarola, sixth. Tyler Reddick, seventh. Martin Truex Jr., eighth. That one kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, Chase Elliott, ninth. And Christopher Bell rounds out your top ten here. Michael, biggest um, surprise and biggest disappointment. Uh, my biggest surprise has to be Ross Chastain. Uh, yep. what, what can you say? You know, led the most laps, had the most, I would say most the the race, as you, you know, led 83 laps, had the best car, got a little off on uh, when, you know, that the pit stop with the long green flag rug before Hamlin had his uh, ac- accidental shift there. The money shift. He, yeah, you know, he he did a he did a good job, man. He led laps, he pulled away, um, held off the the charge from KB mid run there. So, you know, again, a track house car finishes, you know, in the top ten, has speed, leads some laps. So that's that's really, really good for for, for them, you know, especially you gotta think this team's two years old. You know, I look back at you know what we said last week about the seven car, you know, roll down to the seven car. Hey, he had a 15th place finish. You know, they've been around two years now. Then you roll up and you're like, okay, Ross Chastain has been around, or you know, Trackhouse been around two years. Look at the look at the comparison and performance. So super, super proud of you know the team that they built there, especially uh taking over for Chip Ganassi Racing, employing as many employees that they could keep over from that team, you know, wanting to be a Nashville-based team. Uh, you know, and having two really, really solid runs in a row. And I don't think it's going to be any different uh, come this week because Daniel Suarez is, is relatively good at Phoenix. So I think it's going to be another good run for them come next week. For my disappointment, ah, this one, this one's tough. I mean, the, the race wasn't disappointing at all. So it's it's tough. It's tough. I think there's a lot of people that I think are kind of on the just bad luck side of it. You know, you got Ryan Blaney and I think Harrison Burton, it feels like they've been a part of everybody else's accident, you know, I mean, but Harrison their own. Pretty much has. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we saw first little few mistakes from, from Austin Cedric being a rookie, but again, the Fords weren't very good. And, but I think the biggest one for me and this is going, this is kind of my personal feeling is, as much of a KB fan as I am, the whole situation he had with Chase Briscoe just doesn't make any sense. 
again, it's kind of like the thing on the radio. There's a lot of emotions evolved that we are not a part of. We're not in that race car. We're not sweating our asses off. You know, we're not doing 180 miles an hour. We have no business commenting on some of the things they do or some of the things they say. We can backseat drive or couch drive, whatever you want to call it. That's not us. We're not there. We're not inside that race car. But it seemed like just an ridiculous overreaction for the situation that it was kind of pertaining to. You know, he coming off coming off to, you know, he got up on his door, you know, I don't remember if they hit or not, but I know they got close, you know, side draft him a little bit and then coming off forward did the same thing. But like, you know, after that, like it's over there. There was no reason for kind of the turn one situation. It just kind of boggles my mind about why he was so upset, which is another thing of people are more we're we're talking more about what he said over the radio about Alex Bowman than kind of his action on the racetrack after the checkered flag. So I'm disappointed in the fact of an overreaction for something that I guess maybe it was bigger in the car. Again, I don't know. I'm not driving it. But it just seemed like it was a lot of something over a lot of nothing. You know, I don't, it was a restart. You know, he he blocked up a lane. I mean, what do you want him to do? It's racing. Yeah. So I, I think I, that's I'm going to give a thumbs down for for that over but again overall good weekend for him you know had a chance to win you know eric jones doesn't have a situation i i think he i think he wins in las vegas but even if he wins i still gotta say that that was he could have won my most surprised and disappointing all in the same all in the same you know situation indeed and uh for mine the biggest surprise of course like yours was ross chastain didn't see that coming at all but it was really good to see um you know track house kind of back up uh, good runs week to week. I think Daniel Suarez probably could have been up there as well, but uh, we all know what happened with him. So unfortunate for that, but good to see Ross Chastain run up front. My dis- biggest disappointment, and I don't know if I picked him last week, but I'm going to pick him this week. Uh, 20th place, Ty Dillon. Um, that's a team that I kind of questioned at the beginning of the season, just how well they would do. It didn't really seem like they had the sponsorship to really back them up. So, um, you know, they're getting it, you know, here and there, but I have not seen that 42 car run well at all, even at the clash. Um, that dude was driving through everyone. That was a clash, whatever. But, um, you know, the start of the regular season, it's um, I have not heard much out of that 42. So I'm kind of hoping Especially they pick with, it up. with as well as a 43. Exactly. Yeah. Is run it. And I would have expected um, that last week at Auto Club. You know, the 43 was up there pretty much all race and the 42 was mired back in pretty much the same spot he finished on Sunday in 20th. Yeah, I mean... I mean, eh, their qualifying was was much closer this week, twenty third and thirty second. But I, I, that's, I, I agree. I didn't even, to be honest with you, I even forgot that the forty two car, yeah, um, was was this was the same team as the forty three at this point. Which again, I'm I'm surprised by it. Um, you know, I I think, I think I thought they'd have much better performances, especially watching the forty three the past two weekends. Exactly. Yeah, so that's where my big, biggest disappointment is. I hope they can get that ship turned the right way. I do like Ty. Um, he's my favorite out of the Dylan boys, but I'm hoping that he can uh, turn it around a little bit because I'm sure if they don't, uh, that two car team is going to turn into a one car key, one car team pretty quickly. So or a uh, two car team with somebody else. Yeah, 
which I hope isn't the case, but you know, you can't keep finishing like that every week. But as we keep saying, it's very early in the season. So we'll have to see um, where everybody shakes out. All right. Any Michael, anything else you want to touch on for the Las Vegas weekend here before we jump into uh, Arizona Phoenix? I, I do one thing. I gave the seven car and Corey LaJoy crap last week. Um, first off, I picked the wrong spotter. It's Jeff Dickerson, not Eddie DeHaunt, um, to clear that one up. But I gave him crap last week, and he came out here with the top 15 finish. Um, you know, qualified 29, so it still doesn't seem like the, the Aves like, you know, flat-out speed. But, again, I gave him crap. I got to give him, uh, you know, at least a, a half thumbs up for, for a P15. There you go. The sideways thumb. Yep. All right. Well, let's... Uh... Why don't we jump straight into this weekend at Phoenix? Um, Phoenix is going to be a fun track and actually really one that I'm looking forward to seeing just because I think it's going to be the first time we really test these cars. It's not a real short track, but it kind of has that short track feel to it. So I'm um, going to be really interested to see how this car performs with um, you know the new braking it has and uh, really, I think, going to be its first test. Yeah, um, that was going to be my thing is to see how much deeper they they drive into into the corners and how if they're able to outbreak each other. That's one thing that that does kind of worry me about this car is if you look at like say Formula One and and even IndyCar, the braking on the cars are so good that the braking distance right becomes much much shorter. Yeah. So that gives you much much less room to then make a pass, you know, going into a corner by outbreaking somebody. Um, so I, it's, it, you're going to see it more at like say road courses or, or, or like, you know, even Martinsville here and there, but this will be a good, especially getting into turn three or sorry, turn one now, um, <laughs> uh, still messing me up getting into turn one off that dog leg, right? Are they going to be able to go over the dog leg with that spoiler or with the spoiler with the diffuser? I'm, I'm all messed up. I'm back in 2008. <laughs> um, so that's good. That's going to be my thing is, you know, what the braking distance is like, how the outbreaking is going to be and how stable it's going to be. And then is that dog leg going to be as usable with the diffuser? Indeed. That'll be really interesting to see. Um, have really determine how aggressive they can be on those restarts as well. Cause we've seen them time and time again, just dive it down into that um, bottom dog leg portion. So going to be interesting. Um, all right, let's go over the weekend schedule here real quick. Uh, Friday, it's a solo show pretty much. Uh, all times in Eastern Standard Time. Four o'clock, you got practice and qualifying for the Arkham Menard series. And then 7.30, going to be the General Tire 150. I am not seeing any sort of TV broadcast for that. It may be on MAV TV or Flow Racing. I think it's still MAV. I'm not entirely sure. Um, Is but Drew Dollar in it? I would have to assume so. So I have that'll to hope a, that that backstretch wall is uh, safe this time. That'll be a caution. Yeah. Uh, so at least there'll be one caution in the race. <laughs> I think there's a halfway break anyways, so I could be wrong. But um, yeah, I've not seen any TV coverage. However, there will be radio broadcast for MRN. Um, that's your Friday. Nothing going on for anything else that day. It's going to be an all Mark Arca Menard series uh, Friday there. So uh, if you're an Arca fan, there you go. Uh, Saturday. Well, you can't watch it, but. I mean, I mean you, you can listen to something. You can see the tape delay version on, what is it, NASCAR <laughs> Roots or something like that? I don't even remember yeah, probably, what it is at this point. Probably like three weeks later. Yeah. 
Again, I, th- I I would think that's supposed to be on Mav TV, but I could be wrong. Maybe they're just not advertising it. But nonetheless, that's your Friday show, Friday, March 11th. Uh, Saturday, March 12th, again, all times in Eastern Standard Time, 11.30, going to be practice for the Xfinity Series. And rolling right in after that, uh, noon, going to be qualifying for that, both on FS1 this week, thankfully. Um, and then pretty much probably going to be directly after that, you're going to have Cup Series practice at 1.30, qualifying at 2.05, both on FS1. Radio coverage on MRN, if you're into that. Um, and then a little bit later after that, probably right after, is going to be the United Rentals 200 at 4.30. Coverage on FS1 and MRN. And that's your Saturday show. So it's, well, I was going to say a, a night race, but no, that's Eastern time. So never mind. It's nighttime for me. Yeah. Nighttime race. for you. Nighttime racing at Phoenix is something else, man. Let me tell you. I, I was there. I in, miss uh, it. I was there in 2019. I got to see the trucks at night. Man, that's uh, that's something special. Especially too, I, because I, it's so cool in the desert. You know. Yeah, I it, I wish I wish they did more night racing over there on the on the West Coast. That's for sure. Yeah, and when I say cool, I mean like temperature cool, not like cool as in like this is cool, but it was cool yeah, as yeah, well. So I gotcha. But yeah, that desert, especially in there, can be brutal at times. So, um. And then Sunday, March 13th, the only show of the day, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Ruoff Mortgage 500, uh, coverage on Fox and MRN. So uh, I guess we'll roll into the picks for the weekend here. Michael, I hope you have your uh, your entry sheet, sheet up this week. I know I do. So Yep, yep. Uh, not gonna miss anybody and i believe you said that there's not gonna be any cup drivers in this race right for xfinity Uh, well i mean kaz grawl is gonna be in there i don't consider Um, him a cup driver i I don't don't know if you consider him a cup driver or not not at all um but no uh, it looks like it is free of uh, free of the the top tier cup drivers i consider him as a cup driver as much as i consider trevor bain a cup driver so take that with a grain of salt i guess all right. Um, I'll let you uh you start first here. Who who do you got winning the uh United Rentals 200 on Saturday? All right. Um, I'm actually uh speaking of Trevor Bain, I'm gonna go with the 18 car. Um, for a few reasons, I think the Joe Gibbs cars are always pretty good at Phoenix. They're always pretty good at short tracks. Um, and he has Jason Ratcliffe uh, as a crew chief, mm. which has won a bunch of Xfinity and cup races at the Phoenix uh, raceway. So I think they're going to be pretty strong. He, he did really, really well in his first outing. Um, and I feel like he's going to have a good showing with the 18 and Jason Ratcliffe at Phoenix. So that's going to be my pick um, to win there. And I think my pick is going to be the man who won there back in November to take his first win and his first championship. I think Daniel Hemrick goes back to back here at Phoenix. Um, that dude, uh, he seems to be in a good spot. Was pretty well ran pretty well at Vegas. I think he backs it up though at Phoenix. Gets that first win of the season. That nobody picking Ty, huh? That's that's the low hanging fruit, man. You can't pick him every week. You kind of have to. <laughs> you have to distance it out. I left it for you too. You could have picked that. That is true. That that I've, but I I had to I had to pick Trevor Bain. I think. Uh, I do think that's a good I, pick, I'm, by the way. I'm I'm rooting for him. Uh, I I want him to win. I, I think he got a bad shake at, at Roush. Uh, you know, he kind of entered as they were kind of falling flat on their face. Yeah. So uh, 
I, I want him to do well. I, I want him to go out and win a race. You know, I want him to prove that that he's a good race car driver. Indeed. All right, and for the Ruoff Mortgage 500 on Sunday, who do you have going to Victory Lane? Uh, this one's this one's tough. Um, first short track. So, do we go off the cars that were fast at the Clash? I don't think you can, just because of how short it was. Plus, that was the first race out. But I mean, you can if you want. That's you know that's true. Um, I I'm gonna go. I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. I think this is a All good right. opportunity. Uh, again, most, you know, all these cars are bought at Walmart. Um, <laughs> so if you're going to pick somebody for uh, a Walmart special, then I think you have to pick, you know, the best that Phoenix has seen. Yep. So I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. Uh, has a really, really good weekend. Um, and I think he'll, he'll take the victory. There you go. Well, I'm going to pick the guy that um, I've been picking a lot probably, but um, I go back to his 2020 success there. Um, was running really well until he ended up hitting the wall, maybe with a flat tire. But um, I think Tyler Reddick gets his first win this week. Again, solely based off the performance I've seen out of him at that track. So um, I think he gets it this week. He's going to get it at some point. Why not this week? If, if he keeps crashing – and, and keep being close. You're going to have to stop picking him so you get that bad luck off of him. I guess so. You know? I mean, he finished, he got a top 10 this week. He finished seven. Yeah. So he's, he's spun out, you know, but hey, yeah, I got he recovered. You. <laughs> he recovered. Best part about spinning out is I don't think he had any flat tires. And if he did, he got it into pit road anyways. So, well, yeah, he spun into the grass. If you're going to spin out and not damage your tires, the grass that's, is the place to do it. That's the best spot. Yeah. So, all right. So, before before we close out, um, something that we talked about in about the truck series, and it's something that I wanted to talk about in the cup cup race, but I kind of forgot, is so what we talked about in the truck race, uh, you know, was Spencer Boyd and the late caution. Mm-hmm. So uh, going back and looking looking at it, I went back and while we were talking, I kind of looked at the video again. So I, I applaud NASCAR for trying to let the finish of these races play out. That's what we all want as fans. You know, but there comes a time to where it's needs to be a caution. You know, at yeah. Daytona for the truck race, the dude was able to hit the caution light as the accident was happening before the leader crossed the start finish line for, you know, the white flag. Yep. This week with the Spencer Boyd accident, and then you go back or go forward. But as time now, we're going back to the cup race. Eric Jones hit the wall. No caution, no caution, no caution. The caution didn't come out until he was re-entering the track in front of oncoming traffic that are going full speed and luckily was not hit by Bubba. You know, really lucky. It may it it may not look like a big thing, but that would have been a huge hit. Yes. And as many people want to blame the 23 because they just don't like the guy, that that's not that's not his fault. You you can't just slow down in a second. And if and if it's still green, you know he he's still he's still right. If you know, yeah, if still it's still going. green, you got to keep digging for it. There's you can't let off. Yeah. So so what do you expect from the guy? And he did a hell of a job missing it. I mean, oh yeah. Kudos to him. You know, but I mean that could have been really really bad. But again, that's one of the situations where, you know, the 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 race was going to be under caution regardless. Why did it take so long? You know, yeah, 
And I think that's been my biggest gripe. And I think it's been a lot of our biggest gripes over the past five years is NASCAR is so inconsistent with, yes. with, with some of their calls. So Don't get me started. But that but that's one of those things where that one is more of a safety thing. And we saw it twice in the same weekend. It's a good point. Yeah. You I know, didn't even think about that. I mean, we have cars like like Tyler Reddick. They threw a caution for Tyler Reddick spinning into the grass. You know, was able to immediately ride it back into pit road. You know, no caution there. Okay, I get it. You know, whatever. You know, but they threw the caution for Tyler Reddick spinning into the grass, but they didn't throw it for the car that smashed the wall. <laughs> you know what I'm, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It, just, just odd decisions. Again, I understand and I applaud NASCAR for trying to finish the race under green, but in a situation like that, that could have been really, really bad. Yeah. Especially with the amount of right front damage, or the, sorry, I'm sorry. No, it is right front damage. Yeah, right had. Front, yeah. Um, you know, I even I was kind of like when I saw that, I was like, I was really hoping they didn't throw it, but I was like, you kind of have to, and then they didn't, and I was like, I don't know, really know what we're waiting for here. And then, yeah, uh, yeah not only did he almost did the 23 almost hit the 43, which again, nothing of his fault. If you have if that green flag's still out, you got to keep digging. You can't slow down. Um, so he was doing what he had to do, but once that yellow came out and that car, and I mean, it was a very dramatic shift to the right back yeah. onto the track. Um, nothing Bubba probably could have predicted. Not only did he almost hit Eric, he went down and almost hit the pace car too. Um, so two almost big hits there. Luckily he hit the tire barriers, which, um, you know, didn't look like a damages car too much. It was really the flat tire that came apart that really did the number on that car. So um hate to see that but yeah kind of like a what are we what are we doing here on that standpoint so kind of i guess we dodged two bullets three bullets in in one weekend i guess you want to call yeah. it so yeah it may it, it may not look that way a lot of circumstances would have had to have gone wrong for those to be wrong and terrible circumstances but you can't leave that up to interpretation and and those types of things you know it's kind of yeah. like you know when they had the you know, back when they were doing the safer barriers, it would always be like, oh, you know, cars don't hit there. Why do we need a safer barrier there? And then cars started hitting everywhere. There wasn't a safer barrier. Yeah. And like, oh, maybe we should have put them in, you know, to begin with. So it's kind of one of those things where there's a right and, and a wrong. And both of those situations were wrong. Yeah. For sure. You know, you know, especially with how how quickly it happened at Daytona for them to throw the caution. And then these two incidents right here that were blatantly not thrown. You know what I'm saying? That, yeah. that to me is the difference is that they let Spencer Boyd sit down there while he had a dislocated shoulder. He may have been okay. He may have said, you know, uh, you know, I'm fine on the radio. You know, he may have said those things, but again, it's an added situation to where something could have gone wrong very, very quickly. What happens if the 23 car clips the 43 car, you know, it could have injured Eric in the driver's side. But it also, he could have clipped him just right to where he does hit the pace car. Yeah. A lot you know, of what why, ifs. Why exactly. And then that's the problem is there's always what ifs in every situation. But a lot of those what ifs could have easily just been prevented had they did what they were supposed to do. And as soon as he pounded it off the wall, you, you knew as soon as he pounded it off the wall, that, that car was tore up. It, it wasn't going to make it back to pit road. Yeah. You know, that and that, that's that's one of the situations to where two times in one week NASCAR made the bad decision. You know, they, they need to address it and they need to figure it out. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I le- I know we all I think it comes down to we know we want to see these races end under green, but we can't be putting the the driver's safety at risk. Um, you know, we've worked uh, a little bit too hard to put ourselves back in that situation. So, um, hoping uh, NASCAR will get a little bit better with that because, as you mentioned, it uh, I kind of forgot that it happened twice in one weekend. So, um, hopefully, Phoenix is a better show for that. I guess is all I can hope for. So. Um, anything else before we, uh, we wrap it up here? Uh, no, I think that's it. Um, we got F1 in a, in a few weeks. There you go. Going to testing. And again, before we head off for the night, I want to, again, shout out to, uh, my friends at 213 Simware, um, go grab some t-shirts. They got some new stuff up already again this week. Um, so hit those guys up again. Anything that helps the sim racing community helps all of us, helps us grow um, as a group. So go visit them. Other than that, really good weekend of racing. Uh, always fun talking to you, you know, on the podcast here and excited to do it next week. And hopefully we have another really, really good weekend of racing because I got to say all three races this weekend um, were extremely good as all three races were at Daytona, the two races at California, and hopefully these two are the same. So we have a, a bunch to talk about. So um yeah that's that's about it for for me it's it's fun it's late and uh time to go to bed indeed all right well yeah as he said looking forward to what's essentially kind of like the first mock short track test here um not a full short track but i think it'll give us a little bit of a good idea of what to expect on these next couple uh short tracks here so and and the first track that they've been back to that they tested at that's true yeah I mean, I think they did a little bit of testing at Auto Club, but not definitely not as much as they did at Phoenix. So, um, well, yeah, th- this was the the uh, yeah one of they the did tracks. it with, with Will with William at uh before the pandemic, I believe. Yeah, um, but I think Phoenix this was is, like the first one where they had them all developed, you know. Fully. Yeah, this is so. Yeah, this is this is the, I believe the last track that they were at uh for a team. Yeah, I believe you're correct. So, I think that'll be rather interesting to go to a track that they've technically already been to. Indeed. All right, well, looking forward to another fun weekend of racing. Again, most of it starts on Saturday, but if you're an ARCA fan, go check it out on Friday. Um, Got the whole schedule there for you. So, um, yeah, that'll wrap it up for us this week. Um, For Michael Skinner, I'm Justin Kolb. We hope you enjoy the weekend of racing at Phoenix. I know we will, and uh, we'll catch up with you next Tuesday. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. Have a good night.